Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com slash fright day. Okay, leave the Doritos alone. Yeah, we got to put those Doritos down. Byron, can you reach over there and grab those? <laughs> that is such a crunch. Not even a sponsor. Jesus. Oh. What are you doing? I dropped a bunch of chips in my lap. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got fat voice. If everyone had just finished their bag of chips like I did, uh, we wouldn't be having these problems. So why isn't Byron gross for eating another mic? Byron is gross. It's just I can't hear him over you. It is Fright Day. I'm your host, Byron. A vacation home is supposed to be an escape from stress. But in this case, intense supernatural problems call for unorthodox expertise. Tonight, we're talking Carson D. Mel's Another Evil. And Turkey Month gets grim as we discuss the region's famous serial slayers in this week's edition of Byron's Serial Corner. <laughs> I'm joined today by Kelly. Hey. And Sam. Hey, guys. More disturbing news. I love disturbing news. Uh, Did anyone catch that Shelley Duvall? God. Oh, my Dr. God. Dr. Phil's a fuck. What is the Hippocratic Oath? He's not a real doctor. He is oh, a real doctor. Oprah I mean, found him. He's not a doctor. Yes, but he has an MD. He actually is a doctor. In what, though? I don't know. I used to think that Dr. Drew kind of walked that line a little bit. Like, yeah, you're kind of exploiting people here, Drew. But this was just freaking ridiculous. I like to think that Drew has a good heart. I do, too. I don't think Phil does. There was no reason to air that. There's absolutely no reason to air this that. This is that relevant to Friday because Shelley Duvall is the star of one of the most important and influential horror movies of all time, The Shining. Yeah, and then it turns out that she's obviously, you know, she's schizophrenic. She's going through some intense psychological <laughs> health problems. And Dr. Phil decides that he's going to interview her and air this horrifically exploitive segment where she's talking about all of these things that she's obviously... You know, she's obviously out of her mind. She is. And it's really sad. It's like Margot Kidder, but worse. Anyhow, apparently she thinks Robin Williams is alive and a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on shapeshifters? You know, it's not one of my fortes. I love me a skinwalker. In the field of research. But I will tell you that her reference to a whirring disc. I was right with, with whirring, right? Well, I don't know. I, Byron thinks she says whirring. I think she says worrying. worrying. Like a disc that causes worry. worry. Yeah. Okay. yeah, neither of those are things. So no matter what. Shapeshifters might be. But Semantics. she doesn't have a disc in her leg. Well, for sure. She might. Not I'm going to go out disc. on a limb mm-hmm. and say that she doesn't have a disc in her leg. Well, that's good. I want to know where her family is. I want to know why somebody didn't stop this. And I want to know how this doesn't get Dr. Phil's medical license revoked. He is an MD, but he's not actually practicing. Isn't he? I don't. I don't. I can't imagine. I'm not going to do any research on this. I don't want to Google Well, it's not worth it. He's an asshole. A little bit of good came out of this, though. Well, yeah. Kubrick's daughter started to go fund me to actually help her out. Yeah. Vivian Kubrick, daughter of Stanley Kubrick, director Mm -hmm. of The Shining, did start a GoFundMe page, and they're trying to get some help for Shelley Duvall. So if you want to help out, Google Shelley Duvall GoFundMe. Yeah. Support this. She's, listen, 
beyond my intense crush for so fucking weird olive oil late 70s early 80s Shelley Duvall this is tragic has there been any update like do we know where she is now what she's doing now you know I have tried to avoid googling this because it made me very upset it was very sad hold on I don't want to talk about it anymore last week you mentioned something you did want to talk about Kelly arrival arrival so I rented the movie the arrival and I don't know what all the buzz is about Byron no no. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. He's bad. Amy Adams. Yes, she's good. What are your thoughts on Arrival? Well, it was life-changing. Truly a life-changing <laughs> movie? Yeah, this is kind of in the, the Kelly's extraterrestrial wheelhouse. First off, the premise of the movie is that these 12 ships come down, land in various places around the world. Kind of like Independence Day. Not really, though, because they're not trying to jam up anybody's shit. Well, but we didn't know that they were doing that in Independence Day. Uh, yeah, we did. Until uh, the White House blew up. Good point. Okay. Anyhow, the one that landed in America happened to have landed in eastern Montana, which was pretty fun. Yeah, do you know where that was? Somewhere um, off of I-94. East of Billings. It oh, has okay. to be east of Billings. Which is like, there's a New England in between where we are and that. Yeah, there is a New England between us. But still, uh, that was cool. They bring in Amy Adams, who's like world's foremost linguist, to try and communicate with the ship. The whole premise, I think, is really interesting. I liked that they didn't come in trying to attack us. I I feel like there are two different scenarios with advanced life forms. If they come in in some mass wave like that, they come to obliterate us and we're gone before we even know what happened. Or if we know that they're here and they're landing, you know, going about things much in the way they did in this movie, clearly they're not trying to kill us. So fucking relax. Well, I don't know. Time. If they wanted to, they could. Time works differently for. for well, hmm. According to this movie. Universe. Time origin. just. I think that's a big not. spoiler. Anyhow. <laughs> I had to be. It's brilliant, and the way that the military reacts to it, I thought was pretty accurate. The way that it progresses is a lot like that one time that happened. Very similar. Very accurate. Realistically, I think that it portrayed things in a very non-out there way. Like it really didn't even feel like sci-fi to me. It was very soft sci-fi. Oh God, it was so sad. You got double drama last week. Oh God, it was sad. Oh my god. The one thing I really Honestly, the movie opens with a freaking 10-minute sequence about this woman, Amy Adams, her daughter dying. That's what it opens with. And obviously, I'm probably slightly more sensitive to these issues right now because I'm growing a daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I cried a lot. A lot. In the theater? Yeah. So oh, hard. No. Like hyperventilating, drooling, crying. Yeah. <laughs> Why wasn't I there? I don't know. It's not fair, Sam. Because God doesn't hate you, Byron. I do appreciate that, Anyhow, God. I, I thought it was really well written, really well acted. At first, I was a bit off-put by the heptopods, not going to lie. It's just something completely different. I just like grays. I really want people to stick to the freaking grays. Okay. But I adjusted to the heptopods. No, those were the strongest point of the movie. These Lovecraftian, incredibly bizarre, half-unseen, tentacled aliens. Awesome. There's no reason to assume um, that anything would be excuse bipedal. Excuse me, they had names? Abbott and Costello. Costello. Okay. It did really make the plot of the movie make more sense, though, because we're trying to break through a level of communication between these heptopods and Amy Adams. You know, if it was a humanoid creature, we have nothing in common with this. No, not much. I, I just thought it was great. Amy Adams is amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen. 
she was amazing. I love her. I think yeah. she's great. Everybody loves Amy Adams. You feel almost exhausted oh, to the God. same point as as the characters yeah. in this movie are. I should say for people that haven't seen this yet, do not go in expecting some action-packed sci-fi or you will be horrifically disappointed. This is very much a cerebral movie and I, very much again, a drama. Again, it's hanging on to sci-fi by its fingernails. But it, it contemplates a lot of issues that we discuss in Captain Kelly's Corner pretty damn frequently. Would you recommend this movie? Oh, like, <laughs> I like yes. that we're doing this mini review at the top of the show. I was show. actually thinking because Byron recently asked us to start putting together our top lists for the year. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, God, he's not going to let me put Arrival on it. Arrival's the best movie I've seen this year, period. So it would absolutely be on the top of my list, but I don't think he's going to let me count it as horror. I don't think I am going to. Well, because it's not it's horror. Not it's, not horror. I know. it's not even a related genre. Well, I mean, it is. It's about aliens, Kay. It's about aliens. Aliens are only horror when they hurt you. So is Mars Needs Moms. It's not horror. I don't think that was the name of it. But I know what you're talking about. I, I never saw that one. Visually a really cool movie, too. I want to point that out. This is the director of both Prisoners and Sicario, which yep. are both amazing films amazing as movies. well. So. The shape of the spaceships, that it wasn't symmetrical. They were like these weird egg-shaped things. That was really cool. I just thought the whole thing was really realistically done. And everybody who has heard about it knows that there is a twist of sorts at the end. Mm -hmm. It was like a really high class Shyamalaning. Well, and apparently this is actually based on a book called the short story. A short story. Okay. 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 Uh oh. Oh man. Ghosts. Uh, Maybe it's the aliens. Maybe we think it's the ghosts every time and it's actually not. It's the aliens every time. I don't know. Sorry, Abbott. It's called Story of Your Life. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend this movie for sure. I enjoyed it. Uh, There's a couple points. I thought you were going to come and be like, it was so boring. Kelly, why'd you like it? Byron (laughs) sounds like a crazy old man who lives in an abandoned house up on the hill outside of town and everyone's afraid to walk by it. Yes, a little bit sometimes. I'm really glad you liked it. The special effects were excellent. There were some cool visuals, some cool design. I, I loved the creatures and I fucking hated Jeremy hated Renner. which is hard it's hard to hate Renner I was right but the love story was so distracting and such a slap in the face I thought the love it was, story was about the mother and the daughter you dipshit I felt like well, I was I felt like Renner I was, was there yes. yeah but Renner was That's a what fucking I mean, sidebar I, I felt like Renner I was choking on syrup the whole time just, <laughs> Renner didn't matter it was just, all about the mom and daughter uh, sweet I just don't sickly, think yes I know obvious. you're gonna have to this but Renner was like he like did you notice it was just Sorry, I know you have to f- all that. What? <laughs> then why did that? you say it? Because I had to talk to you about it. <laughs> like, he was the worst. Okay. He was the worst. We get it. So away from sci-fi, did you guys watch Westworld this week? Did. Just kidding. Don't. We're not talking about that. No. I can't talk about Bernard either. Sam. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch anything this week? <laughs> I did. I had a chance to watch something I've been looking forward to for, geez, since earlier this year. I watched a documentary called The Boggy Creek Monster by Small Town Monsters and Lyle Blackburn. So this was a project that Fright Day helped on Kickstarter. Again, Small Town Monsters is headed by Seth Breedlove, who has two previous docs to his credit. One of them's Minerva Monster, and the other one is The Beast of Whitehall. Each of the movies, including this Boggy Creek Monster, are focused on a specific area, and it's cryptid. You all know that I am a huge skeptic about anything like woo-woo. Uh, anything. Yeah, nothing Nothing <laughs> is. Nothing is. Woo-woo. 
I really, really enjoyed the first two documentaries. They were fun. They were well done. And Seth Breedlove comes down on the side of, yeah, maybe there's something out there rather than, hey, there's definitely something out here and we have a bunch of evidence that we're going to gin up to support it, like ancient aliens or something like that. I'd like to say neutral with a definite slant towards believing. <laughs> the um, Legend of Boggy Creek is kind of what inspired this project. The Legend of Boggy Creek was the 1972, I believe, Charles B. Pierce film about a bipedal giant hairy creature that terrorized the town of Falk, Arkansas. And it actually became just a huge creature feature success on basically no budget and without any studio involvement. So it was a, a phenomenon right on the leading edge of the fascination with Bigfoot, skunk apes, Sasquatch, sure. things of that variety. Yeah. And so that movie inspired Lyle Blackburn to kind of take on a lifelong study. Lyle, a musician who I have really enjoyed for the last 15 years in a band called Ghoul Town out of Texas. He also writes a column called Monstro Bizarro, wherein he talks about cryptids. Well, he was also a guest on our yeah, 29th episode geez. of this podcast. Yeah, 29th episode. A um, long time ago. Great, great talk with Lyle. He's been a guest on Coast to Coast. Definitely an expert in the field. So he wrote a book about the Falk monster, a really, really great book. And I think we've plugged it on the show before. I really enjoyed it as a skeptic. I, I really liked this book. This book spawned a relationship with the small town monsters guys to come together to create this documentary that looked into the, the roots of the Boggy Creek monster. Interviews with eyewitnesses, uh, recordings, a few really subtle and well done not necessarily reenactments, but there's one scene where a gentleman is talking about how he experienced two of the beasts step out onto a road as, as shadows, a blurred angle with a couple of shadows coming in from the sides. So none of that actual like actors running around like, oh, God, there's a monster. Uh. So really tastefully done. And it was really respectful of these people in Arkansas who I think legitimately believe that they've seen something. There's definitely some aspect of now that this is a, a big phenomena in their area, cashing in on it. And the filmmakers nod to that as well. Well, don't they do a yearly festival in Boggy Creek? They do in Falk, Arkansas. Quite a shindig, I guess, for the bipedal man monster crowd. Is it a woo-woo shindig? Yeah, it is. It's oh, pretty woo-woo. It's got a lot of woo-woo. Uh, Beast of Boggy Creek. It was an interesting look at a part of the country that I've never been to and a look kind of into the rural life and rural culture of this place that, you know, not many people outside of Falk monster hunters and the residents of Falk uh, ever experience. And sometimes these documentaries tend to be trying to lure people into saying things that make good sound bites or, or leering at them because they're the stupid yokels. It was done very sensitively and respectfully to the people and to the area and to the story. And again, they don't come down conclusively on one side or the other, although they definitely lean toward the idea that the filmmakers would like there to be something out there, which really resonates with me because I would really like there to be something out there. Really enjoyed this movie. I strongly recommend that you check it out. I got the DVD as part of the Kickstarter package just last week, and I don't actually know if it's streaming yet, but check out smalltownmonsters.com and look at the projects that those guys have going because if, if you're into cryptozoology at all, it's a worthwhile stop. Obviously, I'm not the one that needs to watch it nearly as badly as Sam does because Sam's the one that's woefully uninformed. So you watch something else this week? I watched the season finale of American Horror Story. Is it over already? It's over. Oh, no. Shamalama ding dong. First of all, what? And second of Woo all, I guess I, mm. I have time to catch up now. Yeah, you do. I suppose I shouldn't talk about Did it. Did they wrap it up well? I thought that the rest of the season was better than the ending. Byron, what episode are you on? I hit the turning point. Then you're probably fine stopping wherever you are. That's no, that's not true. There's, it's. I actually think some of that's really fun. I don't think it's particularly scary. When the season broke... 
I went from, hey, this is pretty cool, to, oh, to, fuck, this is stupid. Oh, no. I'll finish it. Did you guys see that they're teasing the seventh season already? No. And they're actually going to tell us what it is this time, right? Or at least they're they gonna... say they're going to. And I know there's going to be a crossover season, but it's not this next season. So apparently they're thinking that maybe this next season will be American Horror Story Cruise. Ooh, like a, a ghost ship? All speculation. We we speculated Why about the- they do MH370? I don't know. The hotel season, we were on point, actually. And you were pretty on point with Roanoke. Yeah, I'm pretty good. What can I say? Sam, this one's all you. I'm, no, I just honestly feel like you got to put yourself in the mindset of Ryan Murphy. You're just like, man, I have made so much fucking money <laughs> on one really, really fucking stupid show and one show that started off pretty good and then had some good seasons and a bad season and then another hey, half good American season. American Horror Story's not that bad. I agree. Generally speaking. Glee is great. Glee was the one I was talking I about. Know. You love Nip Tuck. And, oh, yeah, Nip Tuck. I do like Nip Tuck. But... Yeah. I am so wealthy, I'm not even going to phone it in. I'm going to shout over the hill, and if someone hears it and takes notes, that's fantastic. I totally disagree with Sam. I think the twist that they go down for the second half was really fun. It was really enjoyable to watch some of the actors play complete D-bag actors. Cuba. Cuba play a complete asshole, but probably most notably was Evan, what the hell is his name? Evan Peters. Playing the most notoriously D-baggy young actor ever. It was hilarious. Well, cool. I had the chance to start that third season of Black Mirror. Tell me about it. The first episode, and like many of the episodes, isn't necessarily scary. It's dystopian future sci-fi. Yeah. Are they doing anything other than dystopian? No, it's kind of the point of that show is near future technology. Things have gone a little wrong and it's spiraled into a lot wrong. The central focus of this first episode, a world where all interactions are rated using your cell phone. If I had this conversation with you and walked away, I would give you a star rating out of five. A star. Yeah, that's one star. Fuck you guys. Maybe four. Basically, you're judged by your ranking overall. God, that's so gross. A very popular person would have like a 4.7 average and they have benefits in society more than that of a person who's maybe a three. Okay, so you know how if you don't ever buy anything significant, you just don't have a credit score? Sure. Can you just avoid having a score in this? Like if you're just a recluse like you and Sam you just try not to associate with people like could you just avoid having a score they Byron and I are having interactions right now we're doing our best I, I they didn't really approach that part of does it. it have to be an in-person interaction or could like every person listening to our podcast right now give us a rating on this interaction a, yeah they could toss us some star rating uh, well, I don't know, actually. Maybe you have to be friends in part of some larger social network. From Mostly it sounds dumb. Okay, you know, go it ahead. Was, it was a, a rough world. Things spiral, obviously, for our main character here. She's on track to being a good person with a higher score, but she needs to go up a couple points so she can get in this nice housing Hold development. On. Does being a good person and having a good score mean the same thing? Because I would imagine it doesn't. If you're nice to the right people. Right. But if you're nice to, say, like a barista, then other people may see you in a different light and be like, oh, don't be nice to that three and they give you a lower ranking you know it's like it's a it's a popularity contest so she's trying to raise her score so she can move into this new housing complex at the same time her old friend who is a 4.7 she's like super popular has all the the coolest friends after she posts this picture of this doll that they made together invites her to her wedding to be the maid of honor so she gets this idea in her head that she can adjust her score by giving this amazing speech with all these high fours 
powers, and she'll eventually become uh, one of the cool kids, but obviously things don't go well. They sacrifice her at the wedding. No, no, she just kind of gets a big head and doesn't care about the little people around her. Her score starts going down because she doesn't care about the the people like she used to care about. That's an important message. It sure is. The whole series is a great commentary on the disastrous technological direction that we're headed in. I I, I like this series. I'm looking forward to watching a lot more of it. I'll have to watch it then. Have you not seen any of them? No, no, no. We've seen a bunch of... We've seen all the old ones, I think. Okay. Except the John Hamm one. I love the Hamm one. That should be your Christmas morning. Maybe Christmas night. It's really good. Sounds grim. I don't really like doing grim things. You don't like doing grim things? Not on the holiday. We have a podcast called Fright Day. I I, I don't do anything grim on Christmas. Yeah, but Christmas for you extends from April to December 31st. We've been listening to a lot of Christmas music, and I was explaining to my daughter today how Bumble from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is Bigfoot. He's Bigfoot. I was trying to explain to her that he's a Bigfoot that lives in the snow, and she was totally... Yeah, she, well, we'll get there, but she was totally getting it. She's also been able to identify zombies now and ghouls. Wait, what's the difference? Well, a ghoul has a bit of a square face, according to the children's book okay. that she has. So I'm going to stop you right not. now. Turkey month. What have we done to ourselves? I don't know. We've elevated ourselves to new levels. We're almost done with it. We're the best. So that you can say that about it. But this week is taking a dark turn. You asked for it, folks. It's Byron's Serial Corner. Fire emergency. Hey, they found the bodies of at least three young boys. Six more bodies under the John Gacy house. And- one longtime acquaintance describes Dahmer as one weird dude. Stay tuned for Byron's Serial Corner. On May 10th, 1994... In the execution chamber of Stateville Correction Center in Crest Hill, Illinois, John Wayne Gacy, full of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He wasn't Turkish! Hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. Full of Kentucky Fried Chicken, fried shrimp, strawberries, and Diet Coke uttered his final words, kiss my ass, as a cocktail of chemicals entered his bloodstream. What does any of that have to do with turkey? On November 28th, 1994, the badly beaten body of Jeffrey Dahmer is discovered on the floor of a bathroom in Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, Wisconsin. While it appeared the United States was losing its murderers almost 6,000 miles away, Turkey's most prolific prolific serial killer was just getting started. You are a horrible person. It's a a great intro, Byron. Oh, thanks, Sam. So I'm going to struggle with names and locations, so bear with me. Yavu's Yipakulu. I'm going to stick with that. We really needed to contact our Turkish listeners. I apologize to the entire nation. (laughs) Is a Turkish serial killer and arsonist known as the Screwdriver Killer? You may be asking yourself, Byron, why is he called the Screwdriver Killer? I actually think that's probably pretty freaking evident. I will get to it for sure, definitely. He's considered the killer with the greatest number of victims in the country of Turkey. He's responsible for the deaths of 18 folks between the years of 1994 and 2002, according to police records. According to legend, rumor, and speculation, 
His death toll hovers around a 40. Ooh. Holy cow. Almost double that of what he uh, I don't was... understand how that's so off. Yeah, that's like, a different that, that happens all the time. I mean, that's a significant amount of wiggle room for sure. Normally, you see less wiggle room in serial killer potential versus official body counts. This gentleman was born in Adina, Turkey in 1967, one of nine brothers, and he was brought up in a, I mean, an unverified, are you sleeping? I'm listening and trying to go to a happy place. He he didn't feel very loved in his Well, there's situation. not much to go around. Nine, like you take a normal amount of love, divide it by nine, it's not very much. Well, it gets kind of worse. His dad was having an affair. He married that woman and okay. she basically raised him. Was she a bad woman? We don't really know. He oh, she raised a serial killer. Uh, oh, <laughs> all right. Prolific serial well, killer. She didn't give birth to him, though. Despite so, I mean. this shaky upbringing, reports were that he finished primary and middle school at the top of his class and was very well liked by all the other students. What do you mean despite? That's like a, a trademark of serial killers. I mean, remember Herb? Herb wasn't very good. No, he was a freaking idiot. But, was... but most serial killers are pretty smart. That's true. I, this gentleman was basically, he, he felt like a leader in his school. Interesting. Okay. But after a fight with his parents, he dropped out of high school in the 10th grade, which honestly, Dumb. it's not that bad, though, in Turkey. Apparently, one out of three Turks of his generation were high school educated. So it's not one out of three. Yeah. It Two was... thirds were high school dropouts. Yeah. I and mean, wonder that country's that... such a shit show. Whoa. You, have <laughs> right. to, you have to assume that at that time, uh, high school education in Turkey, even for those who completed it. It wasn't great. Yeah. And it was mostly trade focused. After that, he spent a, a big chunk of his time playing soccer, both for the school before he dropped out, and then later in an amateur league. How could he afford to do that? I don't know. Maybe he's really good. Maybe Who was footing his bills? His foot? Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> oh right. ouch. So he met a girl and had a short-lived marriage. I read in two different places. It was either three months long or a year and a half long. Either way, not a big success no, there. No, he failed at that. Uh, having Ooh. lost his love... He turned to a, a rather cliche profession in the serial killer game, leatherworking. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And had very little success in this and was forced to close his business. So he sucked at everything he did. He was a pretty good student at the beginning, remember? Wow. No, but he sucked at it because he dropped out. So here's a quote. He, this is maybe a reason why he didn't think he was very successful in this industry. I could normally speak well and do things properly, but sometime lost myself in perception of time and space. Uh-oh, missing time. So... Forgetting where he blacking was. Blacking out, go yeah. get the meds, buddy. He's not doing well. Yeah. Um, having no income, he moved in with one of his brothers, and sometime before 1994, he made the logical choice of joining a religious cult in Ooh. Meriter Istanbul called Sizhtar Icats. If you weigh your options, that seems like a pretty good choice. I don't know much about Turkish cults. Tell me about this well, Turkish cult. You know, not much is known about this, honestly. Oh. It was just a religious cult. Like a Jesus religious or like a Satan religious or like a... I have no idea. Interesting. Yeah, okay. which you would think that maybe the religious cult part would be something they would focus on. But I mean, it appears yeah. all reports skipped that. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. So not very good investigative journalism in Turkey either. Well, and obviously... And this place is just sounding worse and worse. I don't have any details on, on how that worked that's out. That's all right. Me. That's fair. But obviously not well because things are about to get a lot more violent. Uh -oh. They can't even cult well. <laughs> At this point... We've got a, a rather chaotic person who is in desperate need of help. If he got help right now, maybe things could turn around. Yeah, doubtful. The reason behind the crimes that he commits, he has none. Oh, random killers are really troubling to me. 1994, walking down a street in Istanbul, he passed a 20-year-old woman who did the unthinkable. 
She flashed him. No, that'd be pretty cool. She said, good morning. Ooh. Uh, he pulled a knife from his pocket and proceeded to stab this woman, her fiance, and uh, one of their friends to death. All three of them. Yeah. Just with a knife. Nobody was able to defend against just well, a, a, a knife. He's not done yet. Not even close to done. In a blood-soaked panic, he forced the owner of a Mercedes sedan out of the vehicle and stabbed him and murdered him as well. Okay, but, so hold on. So hold on, hold on, hold on. So he's now killed four people. Four people. In like whatever, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. Okay. With a knife. Like he's nothing else. And nobody's defending themselves against just a knife. He's pretty good with, with the knife. Huh. But he was apprehended in Avsalar and taken to Back or Koi Psychiatric Hospital. And at this point, he starts playing up the crazy a bit. I mean, obviously, Ooh. he's crazy. Okay. But he would frequently strip naked and scream, I am Jesus. Oh, so nice. that's where maybe the cult thing came in. Maybe or it was a Jesus cult. drew upon it. Yeah. During his stay, he assaulted his roommates. He assaulted doctors and caregivers. And he even set the forensic ward on fire. Wow. Like, he was like Bugs Bunny. Woo, 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 crazy. After all this, though, he was released following a report saying that he had no criminal capacity. And you'll hear criminal capacity a couple hold times on, in this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. How does he not have a criminal capacity? He's killed four people. Well, it's diminished responsibility according to Article 465 of the Turkish Penal Code Number 765. Okay, which is fine, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have criminal capacity. He's crazy. Basically, this is not guilty by reason of insanity. Wow. Is, I mean, maybe they should have kept him in a little bit longer. I'm just saying. Uh, he's back on the streets. Uh, he immediately involved in a stabbing in, fr- in front of a high school in Istanbul. He saw a girl arguing with a janitor, so he chased the girl, and then a man tried to intervene, and he killed that man. Oh, so he didn't Jesus. kill the girl for... I thought maybe he killed the girl for being a bitch to the janitor. You know, I was like, oh, well, okay. I'm not really sure if he did kill the girl, but I know for a fact that he killed a man who was trying to help oh, the girl. that's unfortunate. He avoided capture, and following this murder, he fled to Ankara, where he ran with no known cause killed about three more people just for shits and giggles he's doing it huh so the psychiatric evaluations in turkey are a little subpar well we'll get to that i've got another gentleman i'm going to talk about later in the episode okay (laughs) a pretty similar situation so things got boring he hopped on a bus to korlu where his brother owned a shop not leather to my knowledge a shop of sorts shop nonetheless during a stop though having no money of his own he attempted to rob a man eventually chasing him into a secluded corner and stabbing him to death why did the guy run into a secluded corner that was a bad was choice a bad move. even worse he then chased a man who witnessed the murder and hugged him wait <laughs> That's a typo. He definitely stabbed him and slit oh, his throat. I, I was like, what? I apologize. It I don't would know be really that. good if he just decided to start hugging people. <laughs> it just gives him a big old hug. And now he's that guy that goes around and gives hugs in all the difficult political situations that's on YouTube everywhere. No, that's who it is. Now this is definitely a stab and then slit throat. Okay. So, in 2000, shortly after arriving in Korlu, still with no money to his name, he burnt down his brother's shop after he refused to give him pocket money. And he did the same thing to two other homes of his relatives. Whoa. Three burn downs. Whoa. Brimming with familial fury, this man attempted to raid his father's home, most likely with the intent of murdering him as well. I mean, this Well, that's what he does now is murder. It kind of seems like his MO. Yeah. He was forced to flee after his dad chased him down with a shotgun. Uh-oh. So the knife wouldn't hold up in such a scenario. Well, you know what we always say, Sam. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, even if you're really good at Yeah, But that's all he's used as weapons at this point, right? It's just knives? Well, there's one story that I'll get to later that isn't verified. 
Ooh. So far, we've got an all knife killer. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he called the screwdriver killer? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay, I'm just saying it's just a bit weird because what has he killed? Like 19 people at this point with a knife? <laughs> a handful. But he's the screwdriver yeah. killer? With patricide failing, he turned to his maternal grandmother and stayed with her for three days. Does she know that he's killed people? Listen, she didn't live very long. Oh, sad. He bludgeoned her to death with a crystal ashtray. There's your answer, not a knife. Also not a screwdriver. No, but uh, apparently he became upset after hearing something about his mother that he didn't like. Oh, so it's just Oedipal? The whole thing's just Oedipal? Yeah, basically. He's a mama's boy. Makes sense. News of her death traveled rather quickly. And get this, his mother died two days later of a heart attack. What? Yeah. He killed his mother after maybe defending her honor. Nice work, buddy. Uh, Does that count, though, is what I'm wondering. No. In a serial killing? No. No. She just, she died of a broken heart. Oh. But he caused it, right? Yeah, but she's just collateral damage. She's, no, doesn't count. So Yavuz was finally arrested at this point and was kept in another psychiatric and neurosurgery hospital, which I don't know if that's the right place for him. Once again, not considered to have criminal <laughs> capacity. <laughs> so if you commit a crime, you because should definitely do it in Turkey. What has he done to indicate that he may have a maniacal homicide bent? Yeah, I mean, doing it again <laughs> exactly the same way. I don't know if that so really... seriously, what's the body count right now? Uh, I lost count. It's like it's 12? Uh, significant, yeah. God. Uh, but get this, guys. He was released again, where he awesome. almost immediately fell back into old habits, murdering three and severely injuring two more. Late at night, he went to this facility, maybe a factory of sorts, something getting lost in translation, and murdered a nightman with a screwdriver. He then- Finally. There you go, Kel. Ah. He then skewered another man in an industrial zone and finally killed another person that he found on the street and threw all of the bodies in a hole, which is interesting that this is the first time that I've heard of him actually trying to hide these bodies. He's usually on the run. Yeah. He's working on the cardio. In the early morning hours, he went to a mosque where he wounded a man by stabbing him in the neck with a screwdriver and then escaped. Did he he break his knife or lose it? A screwdriver, you mean? No. No, Why Why is he he using a a screwdriver? screwdriver? A knife is just better. (laughs) Maybe he found it in that factory in the industrial zone. I I don't know. But on December 24th, 2002, he was apprehended and the court ordered his mental examination by the Legal Medicine Institute. I don't know what that means. That that probably is a translation I would imagine so. So in other words, they're like, okay, we need you to get a, an eval done by somebody other than the people that have been doing it? I would hope so. But uh, yeah, April 2003, he was finally labeled as criminally liable for the offenses that he committed. Well, good. I mean, the report basically is that he faked his mental disorder. I still think he has some sort of mental disorder. Well, to be able to kill that many people. Yeah. But he's in a prison now. Actually, I don't. he went to a prison. I don't know where he is now which is kind of disturbing. Well, Turkish jailbreaks are a pretty frequent thing, so he may have escaped at this point. Interesting. Following his incarceration, though, his brother came forward to say that he had previously mentioned numerous rapes and additional murders, including three unsolved murders in Istanbul, three in Adina, two in Ekarna, as well as killing a soldier, and possibly the 1998 murder of a Belgian tourist who didn't finish the ice cream that they ordered. Oh, my God. That one involved a gun, though. 
I kind of have trouble believing that that was him. It doesn't seem to make any sense. That's not his MO. Yeah, of course, the screwdriver wasn't either until it was. That's true, and it, it was a handy tool. So that is Yavis Yipakulu, the screwdriver killer. Yeah, real dumb name. He killed so many more people with his knife. But I'm not done, Kelly. Oof. Let's talk briefly about Suleiman Atkus, the nailing killer. The nailing killer? We're talking Turkish tool murders. Turkish tool murders. Wow. So this is going to be pretty quick. Suleiman, he was employed at the Turkish Electricity Company in Denizeli, Turkey. While he was working on some power lines, he was severely electrocuted. And Kelly, you know what trauma does to to the brain. A lot of murderers have concussions and head injuries at early ages. Yeah. I don't know if this electricity does the same thing. It did in that so movie Shocker. Football, Remember? West, yeah, the West Craven. Yeah. Following the incident sometime in 1986, the year of my birth, Ooh. he killed a police superintendent and he was arrested immediately. Hmm. Which is great. Yeah. Just I mean, one. Get him I off think. the streets. Guess where they put him, guys? Where? Uh, Maniza Psychiatric Hospital. Oh, no, this hospital? is the place that just lets everybody off. Well, <laughs> this is the place that just says nobody actually has the capacity to kill anyone, even if they've done it 15 times. After being diagnosed with a mental disorder, he stayed here for four and a half years before being released and uh, returned to his hometown. In 1994, only three years of attempting normalcy, he strangled four elderly neighbors. He nailed all of these people in the eyes and heads with nails. Big, like big nails? Uh, like like the nails you'd hang a picture with or nails you'd... I don't know what kind of nails. But nail down a, a railroad track with. Is in this a, a Jesus thing too? Maybe, but in his, I don't think so. In his testimony after his arrest, he told them that he, quote, cannot stand nails. He wants to nail people in the head. What? So that's kind of fun. Hmm. All right. Uh, Again, I bet there's some translation in there. Maybe. Great. (laughs) And that's how he got the nickname The Nailing Killer. Uh, He was once again hospitalized, now being diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, my God. But he went ahead and uh, escaped the hospital, but was apprehended in a, a terminal, like a bus station. In 2007, he was seen publicly for the first time after 12 years in a rehabilitation show program of the hospital. I don't know what that is. I imagine it's like that scene in Clockwork Orange after the treatment process and they trot out all the reformed criminals for the appreciation of the dignitaries. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. On May 28th, 2008, he assaulted his roommate, a child killer named Omer Yalmaz. God, I'm bad at this. Hitting him in the head with a rock in the exercise yard of the hospital where... Uh, rock, screwdrivers, knives. Well, yeah, but I mean, they pulled a bit of Crystal a... Crystal tray. A bit of a Jeffrey Dahmer here. Yeah. He tried to mash this child killer in the head with a rock. It was unsuccessful. The, the man survived the attack. And hopefully this man is still in jail or in the hospital, I guess. But to the best of our knowledge, he is. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. And I mean, guys... Those are Turkish serial killers. Yuck. Keeping in line with your brainstorming, it seems like it might be a good place to start at least. Nothing says Thanksgiving like murdering your entire family. Well, I mean, just like (laughs) if you really are working on it, it sounds like there's a whole lot more room to screw up over there. There's a lot of wiggle room in Turkey. Yeah, like you you can do a lot before they're going to do anything to you. I wonder how fast our first guy was. You know, he's a soccer player. The second Mm. guy got caught immediately. Mm. Huh. Well, that's something to think about. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, indeed. Yuck. Indie exorcisms got a little weird this week, you guys. So weird. So weird. (laughs) What do you say we talk about uh, 
uh, darkly funny indie horror film called Another Evil? Yeah, sure. Hope you're enjoying your visit here this evening. Now, on with the show. Another Evil is a uh, yet-to-be-released 2016 horror comedy? I don't know what you call it. Directed by Carson D. Mel. Sam, could you tell us a little bit about this movie? After encountering a ghost in his family's vacation home, Dan, a modern artist, and his wife Mary hire an industrial-grade exorcist named Oz to help get rid of the beings. But Dan soon realizes that ridding the home of evil won't be as simple as it seems. Uh, Are you having a baby right now? Don't have a baby right now. It's a little early. So I'd like to start out by saying that Steve Zesis, I don't know if you guys know him. He's the lead in this movie. He was also the star of Togetherness, that show with Mark Duplass on HBO that I really like. Yeah. Oh, that's the one that Duplass talked with Easton Ellis about a bunch. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Cool. He's also in a really fun movie called The Dodeca Pentathlon, which I recommend everyone check out. Very mumbly film, so I'm not surprised that this is a bit of a mumbler. So, you know me. Mumbly doesn't bother me. I started out really excited about the ghost potential in this movie. Sure, we lead off with quite a bit of that. Ooh, this kind of spooky. Although I felt like there was something really wrong with the son from the beginning. Like, real weird kid. He had a bit of an attitude. Not even just like... An aura? He seemed like... Like a fucking weirdo. A real weirdo. <laughs> One thing I really did enjoy about this, finally, a normal looking home in a horror movie. We've been spoiled with so many crazy LA rentals, like in Sunshow, uh, The Invitation, Beautiful Homes. This is a nice place, but it was a normal place. While yeah. I agree with you, I found myself saying, why would you and it's have in Arizona, this so it's as affordable. a vacation home? How is that a vacation? Like, well, he's an he's an artist. Like It's where he goes to get away from the city and to paint. And, he wears uh, those nice Aztec sweaters. Oh, God, that made my skin crawl. I would not like that place for me. Ghosts or not? No, nothing to do with the ghosts. About the ghosts. Pretty spooky ghosts. So were the ghosts... I mean, are we supposed to believe that the ghosts are exactly what the first ghost hunter comes in and tells him? So basically, the the plot line, though, is Stan. What's his wife's name? Mary? Mary. Played by Jennifer Irwin. They decide that they need to take care of this ghost situation. So Steve calls a pretty nice dude in to get a sense of what they're working on. Kind of your auras and power crystals type exorcists. And he's played by one of the employees in the workaholics office. Is that right? It sounds right. I think so. He tells him basically, you've got ghosts for sure. Definitely two of them, but they're pretty chill. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to exercise them because that'd be unethical because they're not hurting anybody. I liked his attitude. I liked his approach. I don't know, man. It's their house. Yeah. Well, I don't want ghosts around, even if they are nice. Ghosts are just people that are in your house formerly people well we don't even know because there's a couple explanations in this they say that they're ghosts demons or living in another dimension and also that dan just did a lot of acid back in the day yeah Yeah, the problem that i have so we have one exorcist come in they need a second opinion mary's not super jazzed about the second opinion thing she's like hey yeah the the ghosts are nice let's leave the ghosts yeah well she was smart and then in comes dan's soon-to-be buddy oz i mean on the recommendation of stevie janowski 
from Eastbound and Down. Yeah. That was kind of a weird thing. It's like a real ass kicking exorcist by all accounts. The first thing that we need to note is that he's wearing a turtleneck. Uh huh. Not a good. Well, I don't know. I've seen a couple ghost hunters in turtlenecks. It, it definitely defines a certain kind of ghost hunter. So this guy is obviously weird. And at first, I'm like, oh, he's socially awkward. And then you start he is to socially hear... Awkward. Yeah, I think that's a fact. Yeah, but then you start to hear about his backstory a little more. And then suddenly it just turns into another... And I was just going to say, it turns into another sad horror movie. That's all it okay. is, is another depressing well, horror movie. Well, we're going to get there, though. I'd like to break down this guy's methods a little bit. You know more about ghost hunting than I do. Yeah, well, What is duh. that clear rod he's using? Bullshit is what it is. He just wax thing. It's like a dowsing rod with which he. <laughs> but it's like a clear crystal up. rod. It was. I don't. I don't do the crystals. Uh, what is the the glove with the thimbles on the tips of the fingers? I also find that to be bullshit. I thought that the was f- kind of fun. Finding sensing auras. I I thought that was funny. I, I enjoyed. Thought those it was similar aspects. to his method of smashing the grandmother's chair later on. <laughs> he doesn't really yeah. know what he's doing. He's actually. What about a triple blessed box cursed by a priest? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I kind of dug that. That was a fun way and you bait it with stinky food yeah and, and then and, he's got like wine cheap shitty amazon party starter light kit yeah <laughs> well he was using different methods of attracting ghosts one was magnets which i thought was pretty fun yeah just magnets yeah and one was light so you got to change it up so the ghosts don't get used to it yeah because ghosts uh, once one of them gets captured they're not going to fall for the same thing again can we yeah. skip to the part where he talks about the time that he started attracting demons and that he had sex with a demon can we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, I think I we mean, just did talk about it. <laughs> I think it. we're going to roll into that. Is this before or after they went and got a burger? Oh, I actually don't know timeline-wise. Before we get there, Kelly, I mm-hmm. have to say, this is a very funny script. It's funny, but to me, it's much more sad than it's, funny. Well, and it definitely takes a turn, but I just think that... The, Zero sad. <laughs> it's because you are a soulless freak of nature. It, it was so sharply written in a stupid way. This character is so ridiculous. This... this Oz character. I mean, he was ridiculous, but he was just this sad, depressing, lonely dude. Remember when he knocks on the door and he's like, my wife's divorcing me. That's where the the dip happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns into almost like the movie Creep, where you're not really sure. I mean, we knew who this guy was. He was a socially awkward ghost hunter. But we don't know how dangerous he actually is. Yeah, see, I just get more and more attached to Dan. And I just get depressed because I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's everything. He's I assume everything he said he made up. You think he lied the whole time? Yeah. About having sex with the devil at a bar after she grabbed his dick? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't at a bar. It was messing around with a bunch of corpses. When he popped the eyes in the morgue. Yeah. And then this woman was like. Oh, Oh, that was all part of the same story. So they, so him and his friends break into a morgue, did a bunch of weird puppetry with these dead bodies. Yeah, and just kept like hey, escalating do it. Do you know where the graveyard is? It was horrible. Well, and then it just makes no sense. And then the end point of that story is that this random woman dressed in saw the eyeball and... juice on him, right? Yeah, and somehow knew what he had been doing. She was dressed in a leather dress. And took him back to her place driving a Lamborghini. A Lamborghini Testarossa. That's fun. Which is not a thing. It's a Ferrari. It's just a funny joke. It's just oh. written. It's just oh. making fun of 
stupid supercars. Oh, I gotcha. But yeah, the, I know I don't think that he had sex with a demon. Are you sure? I actually, I would have said he probably had never had sex if it weren't for the fact that he had a wife, apparently. Which or was, maybe he didn't. Yeah, that's true. We are in a creep situation where we aren't really sure what's true. I felt a lot less pity for Duplass than I feel for this guy, though. I, I felt why you like so. I don't know. Remember I didn't that like part him. where I just he felt so bad for hung him. his wedding ring on a stripper's nipple. Yeah, that yeah, was that was depressing. Weird. That was an awesome. Oh my scene. god, he was trying to give her a ring to get her just to kiss him. Just lay next to me and make out for a while. Three minutes, I think oh, he said. I think he said th- it was either funny. three or five minutes. That was it was so depressing. Yeah, you're right. That was a pretty dark turn in that movie. Oh, it was so grim. But it was played incredibly straight for also, a comedy. I was, you know, I was asking Sam, I'm like, if you're just hanging out with buddies, like, is no, that no, no, just like a, a buddy, thing? one buddy. There's two guys. Is that just a thing where you're like, oh, yeah, nothing to do. Let's call a stripper. Well, when Sam and I aren't playing Rogue Squadron. Sometimes we're you like, call- do you want to do you want to get a stripper together? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, well, sure. We call one over to the house. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, we don't do that. That's <laughs> not a normal thing for anyone mm-hmm. to do. And it I think that Dan weird. felt that, that was kind of weird, but I think he was kind of letting loose at that point. He was celebrating yeah, the real fact drunk. that they... Yeah, Oz definitely had an alcohol problem. So there's just another depressing horror movie about the dangers of alcoholism, and this one happens to be called Another Evil. Sure. With a very misleading movie poster. Now we get to the part where we talk about whether or not uh, the ghosts were taken care of. Are we going to go into spoilers? I don't think we should no i don't think we should i mean there's definitely a third act that ramps up also changes in a significant way i think the horror is kind of cranked up at the end yeah which is fun yeah it was a boring kind of horror i don't like that kind of horror i don't know it made me very uncomfortable sam how how did you feel about the end and then overall i really really enjoyed the third act the rest of the movie was a little dreamy a little sleepy with some kind of understated dialogue that i thought was generally it was pretty funny oh man um and with some real funny parts. Thanks, Sam. And <laughs> thanks. Again, then we got to the third act. Whammo. I, I really liked how that turned out. Stick around for the very end. It's pretty fun. I what? The very end was lame as shit. All right. I'm going to give this movie a 5.8. I was really excited about the prospect of where this could go with the creepy ghosts. And then I was kind of excited about the prospect of whether Oz's crazy story about what was going on with the ghost might actually just be true. And then I just got sad because Oz was a real sad character and I wanted to cry for him. Then the movie was over and I would give it a 5.2. I mean, this is a Byron movie. Initially, I felt like the chemistry was a bit off, but as it plays out, Dan and Oz really do bounce some great dialogue off of each other. I think Steve Zesis is getting better and better he's as an actor. He's kind act. of just a fake Duplass. Whoa, he's not a fake Duplass. Kind of just looks like Duplass. They're like best buds. I mean, he's kind of a fake Duplass. I they, they grew up together. They're Kelly. Maybe Duplass is like Quit a better on version. And quit picking on Steve. <laughs> I'm not picking on Duplass. All right. Tone is all over the place. It's a weird movie. I wouldn't recommend this to any normal horror fan. Definitely something different. Maybe if that's what you're looking for. This is not a bad thing to stumble on Netflix or maybe at a film festival. I think that this would play really well. Resolution was fun. It's not anything I haven't seen before, but it was definitely unsettling. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to have to match Sam exactly with a 5.8. 
That's where I'm at. All right. That's where you're at. I love it when you're right. We're right, Sam. And those are our thoughts on another evil. And I should mention that this is a, a screener that we got as part of our involvement with the Denver Film Festival. So I'd like to thank them for sharing that with us. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Carson D. Mel. I don't know if you know who he is. He writes for Silicon Valley quite a bit. Yeah. Which is one of the funniest shows on television. It really is. He also did a couple episodes of Eastbound and Down. Also right. a hilarious show. Very funny. And I think that's probably why there's a handful of indie comedy people in this movie playing more subdued roles than you'd see them on other shows. I think it's something really interesting to check out. We don't know when this is going to be available, though. No, we don't. I think it's still playing a couple festivals, but then keep your eye out for it. I think it's a really fun movie. Hey, guys, so the next movie we watch, Byron, I'm going to need you to pre-screen it. And if it's sad, we're not watching it. Well, I don't think I'm that, kind of over the sad horror. At I don't this think point. episode 100 is going to involve a sad movie. Better not. What is it? I don't know. I don't know what we're watching. Yes. But next episode is episode 100. That's which is insane. Just why? What are we doing? Doing 100 episodes of this. Uh, only one season, though. So far, only one season of this show. Have we missed an episode yet? Um, Not I'm really. sure we've missed one somewhere. I don't think so. I don't know. But we're very much looking forward to that. We have been getting a ton of questions from you guys. We're doing a bit of an AMA type situation, answering questions about pretty much anything you have to ask. Not necessarily about horror, but if you want to be involved in that, email us, contact at frightday.com. We also have a thread up at facebook.com slash group slash frightday where you can leave questions. I might pin that to the top. I don't know how yeah. pinning works. Can you pin on that? Fuck, I don't know, man. If you have a question or not, that that's the place where you should be. Facebook.com slash group slash frightday. That's where well, like-minded individuals like yourselves are going to be hanging out talking about horror. I also have a bit of a game show, Kelly, that I have set up for you. You're going to love it. I don't know what it is, but I know it's going to be good. If you like our show and want to help us make it even better, grab something spooky at shop.frightday.com. You can pledge a little bit of dough to our Patreon campaign. What's Patreon? Patreon.com slash Frightday is a place you can go to kick a little of your hard-earned cash our way if you like what we do. No um, stolen cash. No easy money. You got to grind for it. Everything that you give us goes directly to the show and back into bringing you the content that for some reason you seem to like. We also do some things for you in return, depending on what level you pledge at. Things like uh, Kelly's chocolate mousse recipe. That um, is a thing. It's actually I have, a I, thing. I don't think I've tried it ever. It's pretty good. Okay, good. I'm looking yeah. forward uh, to it. Access to exclusive bonus content for our Patreon patrons. Exclusive t-shirts, hour-long episodes of Captain Kelly's Curtains and Conspiracies. And then you host a bit of a pre-show every week. Yeah, well, I don't know that I host it. You're the host. I'm just the least busy, so I can sit in front <laughs> of the camera for stretches. Just to like, get together on Periscope, we visit with you guys about whatever you want to talk about. Again, patreon.com slash Friday. Check it out. But most helpful of all, you can leave a review for us on iTunes. That's the best way to get us in front of new eyes and move us up charts of sorts. Uh, this person did just that. And I have no idea how to pronounce this name. It's uh, just a bunch of random letters slammed into a keyboard. Perfect. Slap those letters. Bang that keyboard. Uh, awesome podcast. Five stars. This is a really cool and fun podcast. If you're not a fan of the horror genre, this will make you wish you were. My sister wishes she could watch horror films due to this podcast. She introduced me to it because she knows I like horror and I instantly fell in love. I've been binge listening ever since then, and the episodes have fueled my interest in horror along with giving me movies to watch uh, I've never heard of. They give honest reviews to movies while breaking them down beautifully in a way that helps you gain a new love for the genre. 
all the little bits like Sam's jams and Sam's weapons authenticity report make the podcast even better. Also, Kelly's cryptids and conspiracies is always interesting and enthralling. You can tell these three are staying true to themselves and the things that make them love horror movies to begin with. Amazing podcast, and I would definitely recommend to anyone. I would recommend you to anyone. Listener, random buttons. You're the best. Thank you so much for writing. Highly recommended it, listener. It means a lot to us. It really does. Kelly is gone. Yeah, in a she lot of ways. She disappeared. Your very pregnant wife is doing a, a very good job of keeping Just going. grinding I, along. I don't know if we plan on missing any episodes, maybe one, but I might do a, a Byron Serial Corner to fill in during this birth thing you guys are going through. Yeah, which is the end of very end of next month. Yeah, so we'll see what happens, but definitely let me know what you thought about uh, Byron Serial Corner this week. That'll There's a helpful hint. You loved it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Sam, where can we find you on the internet? I am at Sam Friday on Twitter, Sam underscore Milo Dragovich uh, on Instagram. Email me, Sam at Friday.com. Kelly can be found at Kelly Friday on Twitter. Kelly at Friday.com is her email address. Someone sent me a really spooky story that I forwarded her this week. Oh, cool. I know she would love to hear your spooky stories for the next time we do True Tales of Terror. So send those her way, Kelly at Friday.com. And I'm at Byron McCoy on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Byron at Friday.com is my email address. And until next Friday, I'm Byron. And I'm Sam. Uh, death to turkey I'm do you want me to move him from the pregnant lady? No. Yes, absolutely. Don't you dare fucking do that. <laughs> I will fucking. Will you stop fucking eating him into the microphone? Yeah, we have to. Honestly, gonna make me fucking throw up. (laughs) We have to stop soon. Okay. Can I have a junior mint though? Okay. Absolutely. Thanks.